Talk 1110 wbt Hour number three, the Pete Callender Show, 704-570-1110, 1-800-WBT-1110. You can also email Pete at the Pete Callender Show. That's Callender with a K, A-L-I-N-E-R, Callender. Uh, where I got this, actually. Uh, Pete, I was a broadcast major, or sorry, broadcast media major at Illinois in the early 70s, and I got to tell you, you truly are the king of the Segway. It's always fun to realize that Dr. Von Cannon is usually taken aback by most of your slick and hilarious segues. You are fun to listen to. Thanks. Thank you very much. I appreciate that. Uh, I don't know if Boomer appreciates it as much, but uh, but uh, the important thing is that I do, right? <laughs> uh, thank you very much. I appreciate that. I do. I do. I, we try to have fun with the segues. By the way, you want to know the secret to a great segue? Speaking of great segues, I just did it. I just did it. That's it. All you do is say, speaking of, and here's the kicker. It works whether you're segueing into something that is related or isn't related. It works either way. Because if it's not related, then it's just a joke. And if it is related, then it's, uh, then it's a segue. You can't, it, you can't lose. It's a win-win for you. You're welcome. See that? I give away all of the trade secrets right there. I'm a giver. Um, let me see. This is uh, one of the one of the lefties who has been uh, most vocal. Nina Turner. Whoops. Uh, Nina Turner is an educator. Of course she is. Educator, activist. Of course she is. A fellow at Race Power Policy. Former Ohio State Senator and a professor. Of course she is. Host of Unbossed. Wait a minute. I thought we banned Bossy. Didn't we ban Bossy? That was a couple of years ago. There was a whole big thing about it. There was like a there was like a commercial and Jennifer Gardner and the uh, uh, what's her name from uh, Modern Family. They told me to ban Bossy. We're, we weren't. I mean, I'm, I'm in violation of saying it just by saying it right now. I'm in violation of the edict. Anyway, uh, host of Unbossed on. Oh, the Young Turks. Premieres ten seventeen. Oh, it's not even on yet. Starting October seven, it isn't even started yet. Okay, whatever. Uh, but this woman has been very, very, very vocal in this campaign, this pressure campaign to buy votes uh, among the uh, you know the the terminal degree having left wing activist base, and it makes sense considering her background. There, uh, she probably has mountains of debt. Because she just kept going back in, uh, into the classroom. Just keep going back to school, going back to school, going back to school. And she sends out a tweet today. Why stop at $10,000? Why stop at $20,000? Cancel all student debt, she said. Which was exactly what I said to Dean, the caller, in the last hour. Right? If Joe Biden is going to cancel $10,000 of student debt... For people that earned less than one hundred twenty-five thousand dollars a year, why ten thousand? This is the same argument I had when pushing back against the quote "fight for 15, that we need to set the minimum wage. Again, you know, everybody who's unaware of what a price floor is, please raise your hand. Oh, look at that! It's everybody advocating a fifteen dollar an hour, uh, fifteen dollar an hour minimum wage. It's a price floor. You're going to get less of the thing that you raise this floor to meet. 
So why stop at $15 an hour? Why not $100 an hour? And I would get, and every now and again, you know, I'd, I would chum the waters with that question. And, oh, oh, hey, hey, I got, I got one. I got a live one here on the line. And uh, I would have these discussions with leftists. And this was uh, out in Asheville area. And that is a special kind of leftist. I'll tell you what. Uh, Trustafarians, mostly. People who retire there at the age of, you know, 26. Because they've never had to work because their parents were loaded and they resent the fact that they have had such an easy life. And so they want to, you know, burn everything down, change all of the systems because they're working out their mommy and daddy issues. I, I, I digress. The point here is that the $15 an hour minimum wage is just an arbitrary number, right? Because the living wage was different. And so when you would get the campaigns for a living wage, well, why not make it $100 an hour? Why why just enough for people to get by on? Why not make everybody rich? Right? Or maybe you've seen the ads that are running around on social media right now for, I guess they're doing like a documentary on Arthur Laffer. And he says uh, in the opening soundbite, Laffer says, have you ever seen a society that taxed itself into prosperity? And the answer is no. There isn't one. You cannot tax yourself into prosperity. Because... Taxation is, well, theft, but it's, you know, it's confiscation of the wealth of the citizens that are generating it. So why not make everybody rich with $100 an hour minimum wage? Why not force everybody to to pay $100 an hour? In this case, why not force the cancellation of all debt? And if that's the case, why not credit card debt too? Why not mortgages? Have you seen, I mean, there's a big problem with affordable housing. You know what would make a, a housing really affordable is if nobody had to pay for it. Oh, well, oh, I feel like we're, I feel like we're approaching the true agenda here, the ulterior motive. See, the more things that they can put under the umbrella of government control, then the more things that we will never have under private control again, right? That's the old... The old axiom that you you get to vote yourself into communism, but you got to shoot your way out, you know, and you only get to vote once. It's all it takes. Voting once for socialism, for communism, one, that, that's all it takes. One vote. And then you never get to vote again. You never get to vote out. You never get to say, oh, you know what? I really didn't like the uh, the Stalin regime. Can we go a different direction? You don't get that choice for some reason. It's very weird. But why not cancel all of the mortgages? Why not cancel all debt? Everywhere. It's a jubilee. Why not? Here's another point. Um, Charles C.W. Cook, who had a, he had a very, uh, I don't know what I would call this. Uh, I mean, it was, it was kind of comical, but you could, you, Charles C.W. Cook, he's British, but now he's become an American citizen. He's our national treasure now. One of the, one of the spoils of war from the revolutionary uh, time period. But, Charles C.W. Cook at National Review. When you get his ire up as an Englishman, you know you've done something, right? So he has this whole write-up today, or yesterday actually, about the cancellation of student loans. And it's called, Joe Biden illegally canceling student loans would be a middle finger to America. He says it would represent a giant middle finger to America, a middle finger to the Constitution, to voters without college degrees who have much higher unemployment rates than voters with college degrees. It would be a middle finger to voters who chose not to go to college. 
Voters who will, as Nancy Pelosi put it, be paying taxes to forgive someone else's obligations. It would be a middle finger to voters who are currently paying back loans taken out for other purposes, like small businesses, for example. Middle finger to voters who have paid off their student loans already. To voters who made sacrifices to prioritize paying off their student loans early. And to voters who deliberately chose colleges that required them to borrow less money. That's me. I got accepted into James Madison University, could qualify for no financial aid, and so I went to Winthrop University because they offered me an out-of-state tuition waiver. It was cheaper for me to go to Winthrop. And it was farther away, but we don't talk about that part. Anyway, um, well, from from where I grew up in New York, um, it represents a middle finger to voters who will take out student loans tomorrow. Sorry, guys. You didn't properly time your birthday to the 2022 midterms. It's a middle finger to voters who care about inflation, voters who care about the federal debt, people who want to help the poor rather than send their cash to the most privileged, to voters who care about funding literally anything other than well-off students, to voters who care about real higher education reform, which the move will slow and perhaps stop. It'll, pre- it'll represent a middle finger to the people at the bottom of our society who genuinely need help with their education and who will now be lumped in with the cadre of affluent, self-serving deadbeats who have apparently convinced the president to violate his oath of office in order to funnel them a bunch of cash. This is why I say this is just, it's bad politics. Some people talk about racial gaps. Glad you mentioned it. Glad you mentioned it. I will cover that. News Talk 1110-993-WBT, 704-570-1110, 1-800-WBT-1110. Mentioned this earlier, but real quickly, the animating, but usually unspoken, philosophy at the root of leftism is envy and greed. It's a lack of gratitude for what you have. And there's no better example of this than the student loan cancellation issue. That's it. And and they don't care how it gets done. They just want what somebody else has. And they want to have this thing without paying for it. That is at the root of the philosophy. You can dress this up any way you want to, but that's what this is. Let me jump over here to Marty. Welcome to the program. Hello, Marty. How you doing there, Pete? Hey, I'm good, man. What's up? Good. Love your show. I'm Thank in you. and out of the truck, so I can only get little pieces of it here and there. So if you already covered this, uh, you're on the same vein anyway. But, you know, <clears throat> as you said, they're only picking a small sliver of society to bless them with a communist gift. But in actuality, if they really wanted to be generous, instead of taking the money from the universities and colleges that I don't respect much anyway, but if they really want to be generous, they should just overall across the board give us all ten thousand dollars off our irs debt then take it out of their own pocket that's what they should do yeah just like a big stimulus check again another but this time instead of what two grand or a thousand dollars yeah just everybody under one hundred twenty-five thousand dollars gets 10k there you go yep yeah well and i i don't i don't know because honestly i failed to see 
a downside to the proposal you offer. I mean, aside from the fiscal impact, but that's out the window. Nobody cares about that nowadays. So aside from that, like, I don't see the downside there. Why not just keep throwing more and more money at people? If you're, yeah, I mean, I mean their, their, their goal is to just keep us walking through this big pile of Pelosi anyway, and the butthead and camel dung show has to end eventually, <laughs> and uh, why not go through all the mud now, right? <laughs> Are you literally calling it a pile of Pelosi? That's right. That's, that's what it is. Oh, my God. Now, is that, wait, is that Nancy or Paul? Is that Nancy or... Sorry. All right. Oh, you get, you get two for the price of one, right. and then you also get Chucky's Swiss cheese chain, Swiss cheese brain uh, Schumer there. <laughs> that's right. You get two Pelosi's for a Schumer. All right, uh, Marty, thanks for the call, buddy, and stay safe. I appreciate yeah. you. All right. Um, no, that's... Yeah, like, why... It, it goes to it goes to the arbitrary nature of the ten thousand dollar figure as well as the fifteen dollar an hour minimum wage. Why that number? Why? What why not just wipe it all away? No half measures here, man. Right? We are we are either gonna get on that nuke and ride it all the way down like Doctor Strangelove uh, the movie shows, or you know, like what are we even doing this for? Now, there is a criticism. Let me get back to Adam Lumi. He's at the Brookings Institute. Again, a progressive organization, a lefty organization, Brookings Institute. Now, I know like the radical leftists will say, no, 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 he's more of a moderate. Brookings are, it's a moderate institution. But he points out that racial gaps in lifetime wealth, right, that this is one of the reasons why you hear people advocating for this, that there are racial gaps. Okay. Black Americans, but the the reason why, the cause of the racial gap in lifetime wealth is that black Americans are much less likely to have the opportunity to go to college in the first place. They're less likely to attend a high-quality, low-cost college to complete a degree and to pursue a graduate or professional degree. That's the cause. That's the reason. Now, why are they less likely to go to college, right? Get at that question, and you start answering the generational wealth question. But we don't want to get to that. We don't want to, we don't want to address that, because Brookings actually has done some research on that. How to stay out of poverty, how to get out of poverty. You've heard this before. If you're listening to WBT and you're listening to this show, uh, you've m- most definitely heard this before. Three things, and none of them government can do, which is why leftists reject it. Three things, have a job, any job, just a job, be working, right? Number one. Number two, finish high school. Number three, don't have kids before you get out of high school and be married when you do. That's it. Those are the three things. That doesn't guarantee you're going to be out of poverty or stay out of poverty or get out of it. It, it doesn't guarantee you. But it almost does. It's almost as close to a guarantee you can have. Because people who fit this, if you do those three things, the chances are super, 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 super small. I'm talking single digits small that you will be in poverty or that you will stay in poverty if you were born into it. You do those three things. Have a job, graduate high school, and don't have kids before you get out of school and get married. That's it. 
But those are cultural things, right? And when the cultural norms that I've just laid out, when those get burned to the ground through decades of the progressive project, well, you know, sometimes you got to break some eggs to make the commie omelet, or as I like to call it, the comlet. I actually don't. The commie omelet sounds better. I think I'm going to stick with that, commie omelet. (laughs) People invest in a college, graduate, or professional degree because it helps them earn more, to avoid unemployment, to enjoy a higher quality of life. For young Americans age 25 to 34, the increase in pay that a college graduate earns compared to somebody without a degree is at an all-time high right now. All-time high. He goes on to say, because when he wrote his initial piece, this guy, Adam Looney, when he wrote his initial piece earlier this year, he got a lot of response. And, and like, if you want to hear, and this is why I say that the, uh, the animating philosophy at the root of leftism is envy and greed. Go check out Dan Bishop's, Congressman Dan Bishop's Twitter feed. Because he had a post the other day, yesterday, I think. Student loan cancellation is an election year handout to the affluent elites that support Democrats, and it'll use your money. And the responses that he gets. I'd rather have my money going to pay off student loans than being spent on bailouts for Wall Street and banks and oil companies and airlines and PPP loans for companies owned by millionaires. My tax money has been used far, for far worse causes. Um, unfair to us. Somebody said it's unfair to us who skimped and saved for years, driving old cars, camping vacations to pay for our kids to go to college. And that person got just lit up in the comments section by leftists. You want to hear some of those responses? This is just a sampling. When somebody else got something and I didn't. Life is so unfair. Oh, no, compassion for others just because you were able to save money. I work with teachers who support multiple generations. See, all of the envy and greed is cloaked in this language of compassion, but it is still envy and greed. That's what they're advocating. Got an email here. Pete, continuing the thought of the previous caller. Instead of saying somebody got drunk, let's just say they got Pelosi. Lama. There you go. That's... I know what that means. Um, <laughs> two quick points here on the student loan forgiveness. And I could, I mean, obviously, I've done the whole show on this so far. It's, it's just, it really epitome, it's the epitome of the leftist philosophy. Envy and greed. It animates everything that that is at the core of that philosophy. That's what Marxism is, okay? That's what leftism is. And I don't say that as a pejorative, except as much as Marxism and leftism is a pejorative. But I'm not, like, if you are a proud Marxist, be proud of that. Right? I'm I'm a capitalist. I'm a proud, free marketeer. Love it. Because it's... It's freedom. I'm not talking about crony capitalism. I'm talking about actual capitalism. I dig it. It's not perfect, but it's way more perfect than Marxism. David Harsani at The Federalist pointing out that the $125,000 income cap 
is it, it doesn't mean anything. It should be stressed. Capping loan forgiveness to those making under $125,000 means absolutely nothing because borrowers are at the beginning of their careers and have yet to enjoy the durable benefits of a college degree. The average worker with a bachelor's degree ends up making, on average, a million dollars more over the life of their careers than those with grad. Uh, uh, sorry, than those with just a high school diploma. Right, a million dollars more if you have a undergrad degree, a bachelor's degree. If you have a graduate degree, that's worth between two and three million dollars more over the course of your career than a worker with a high school diploma. And because this is going to apply to people who are, by definition, at the beginning of their repayment period, they are, they're on a trajectory now to pull in even more over the course of their career. The Biden administration is going to compel truck drivers and clerks with high school diplomas to pay the loans of white-collar workers on their way to six-figure salaries. That's what's happening. And uh, Ikifu points out, uh, when I was reading through the responses <laughs> about this on Twitter, pretty much every other post on nextdoor.com, it's enlightening. That's true. Yeah, it really is. <laughs> yes, yeah, so many people are animated by envy and greed. By the way, here's a great idea from Charles C.W. Cook. Uh, media outlets... Your journalists who are reporting on this and covering this story, pieces written on this, he says, should come with notes up front telling us how much each journalist gets. If you are a journalist and you are reporting on this topic, you should have to disclose how much you're making off of it. If you are, I'm not. I paid my loans back. I know, stupid me. I paid them back, so that's uh, that I derive no financial benefit from this uh, from this handout. But if you're a journalist and you are, then maybe you should be disclosing that up front. Um, one other thing: if you want to make college more affordable, then do things that make college more affordable. Forgiving debt doesn't make college more affordable. It doesn't correct the problem. You're just exacerbating it. You're, 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 you're getting rid of the downside, right? The negative consequence. Because at some point, if people start thinking, you know what? I'm not going to go to college and spend all of this time and money for these degrees. I'll, I will do, and, and people have been doing this, right? Going to smaller schools, going to community colleges, knocking out a lot of the, uh, the earlier classes, you know, that basically teach everybody this stuff that they should have learned in K-12 government schools but didn't. And so then they go to a community college, uh, they get the remedial classes, uh, you know, they're taught how to write sentences and such, how to do basic math, and then they go to college. And then they'll get the degree after only two years, and they're able then to save more money, they can start careers and internships, apprenticeships, stuff like that. If you want to make college more affordable, this doesn't do it. It's just a handout. It's just a payoff. Somebody asked this fella at Brookings, um, Adam Looney. I, keep, I don't know why I keep, cannot remember this guy's name. <clears throat> is, they asked, is it true that the really rich don't have student loans because they didn't need to borrow to pay their tuition? This is, I, I've heard this response as well from a lot of leftists. 
They're like, oh, yeah, you're just giving. I mean, they have debt. They wouldn't have taken out the loans if they were rich. Duh. There is no income or asset test, though, for federal student loans. Anyone is eligible. In fact, loans can only be used for tuition, fees, and living expenses that are not covered by any grant aid, which means that higher income students attending more expensive schools get to borrow more. You're inflating the prices, guys. Graduate students can borrow the full cost of attendance, and that makes up the lion's share of the debt, the graduate students. The result of universal loan eligibility and the fact that students from high-income families are more likely to go to college or graduate school means that students from high-income families borrow more money in student loans than other groups do. Forgiving student debt of doctors is regressive and actually increases racial wealth gaps, he says. Black medical students own more, owe more than their white peers. That is true. The major source of inequity in medical school debt is the same source as it is in general college debt. It's who gets to enroll in the first place. According to the Digest of Education Statistics, which I don't know about you, but that's what I read on my downtime, um, 82% of new doctors in 2018, 82% were white or Asian, which I think now, I think for purposes of these statistics, Asians count as, uh, what's the term that they started using? White adjacent, I believe. 2018, 82% of doctors were white or Asian, 6% were black, 8% Hispanic. Doctors owe huge amounts of student debt. You know what they, the median debt load is for a doctor coming out of school? It's like $200,000. That doesn't mean they need a taxpayer-funded bailout, though, because they're the highest paid profession in America and in every U.S. state. More than a quarter of all doctors are in the top 1% of the income distribution. Half of all doctors are in the top 2%. In 2017, the average income of physicians was $343,000. Even in the lowest paid specialty, which is primary care, physicians earn almost a quarter of a million a year. Over the course of their careers, they will earn somewhere in the neighborhood of $9.5 million. They can pay back a $200,000 debt when they make almost $10 million over the course of their career. The fact that there are so many rich kids in medical school means that students in the top 5% of the income distribution represent 14% of all borrowers. Doctors who grew up in the top 5% and who are virtually assured to remain in the top 5% as adults they owe about 40% more student debt than all medical school students who grew up in the bottom 40%. Yes, there are Americans in deeper financial need who are more deserving of support from taxpayers. If you're trying, if you're trying to alleviate the debt load for poor people, this doesn't do it, folks. This doesn't do it, which again leads me back to my original premise. This is political. It's a payoff to a very small part of the Democrat base. But it's also bad politics. Bad policy, bad politics. 
News Talk 1110-993-WBT. All right, so President Biden is now speaking. Uh, he's telling some really, really long, rambling story about something. I'm not really sure. Uh, but I think it's getting to the point here where he's going to talk about how he had a problem paying for his dad was trying to get money for college. Let's take a listen. All, all this Big means is the entire, an entire generation is now saddled with unsustainable debt in exchange for an attempt, at least, at a college degree. The burden is so heavy that even if you graduate, you may not have access to the middle-class life that the college degree once provided. Many people, many people can't qualify for a mortgage to buy a home because of the debt they continue to carry. They, uh, you know, they, they, they carry, it's too high. They can't come up with the down payment anyway. A lot of folks are even putting off uh, starting families. They haven't paid the anything in two years. And the dream of starting your own, your own business is just way off in the distance with the debt that's, uh, that you know, so many are saddled with. Many of you had to leave school because of financial strain was much too high. About a third of the borrowers have debt but no degree. And worst of both worlds, debt and no degree. The burden is especially heavy on black and Hispanic borrowers who on average have less family wealth to pay for it. There's no, they don't own their homes to borrow against to be able to pay for college. And the pandemic only made things worse. But we responded aggressively to the pandemic to minimize the economic impact of the harm of COVID imposed on individuals, families, and business. So that didn't fix it? We all were there. It was recovery. Look, we increased unemployment benefits for workers who were laid off. We provided loans to small businesses so they could stay afloat and take care of their families and their employees. We provided assistance to people to put food on the table. Remember those long lines you guys would all film of cars? Decent looking car, not jalopies, you know, nice cars. Just waiting for a box of food to be put in the trunk in the United States of America? Waiting for over an hour? To yeah, get food the lockdown policies sucked. Yes. And we provided rent and mortgage assistance to keep people from being evicted and thrown out in the street. Our approach to help Americans who need it the most was necessary. And it was necessary. the right thing to do. And it helped people avoid financial crisis, which helped our whole country as a consequence of that. That didn't benefit them. It benefited the whole economy. That's why we have Our the inflation why now. America's economic recovery, economic recovery was faster and stronger than any other advanced nation in the world. Oh, my God. And now it's time to address the burden of student debt in the same way. That isn't the same way. Working closely with the oh Secretary of Education. He's got the hard job. You know, Secretary Cardona. Here's what my administration is going to do to provide more breathing room for people so they have less burdened by student debt. And quite frankly, to fix the system itself, which we came in, we both acknowledge was broken in How terms so? of, anyway. What? There are three key factors Wait, what? That we're going to do today. What? First, we've made incredible progress advancing America's economic recovery. We've wound down pandemic relief programs like the ones on unemployment insurance and small businesses. It's time we do the same thing for student loans. Student loan payments pause is going to end. It's going to end December 30. I'm extending to December 31st, after the election. 2022. Right, after the and election. It's going to end right, at after that the time. Election. Make sure. After it's the election. time for the payments to resume. Second, my campaign for president, I made a commitment. I made a commitment that would provide student debt relief. And I'm honoring that commitment today. Using the authority Congress granted the Department of Education, we will forgive 
$10,000 in outstanding federal student loans. In addition, students who come from low-income families, which allowed them to qualify to receive a Pell Grant, will have their debt reduced $20,000. Both of these targeted actions are for families who need it the most. Working and middle-class people hit especially hard during the pandemic, making under $125,000 a year. You make more than that, you don't qualify. No high-income individual or high-income household on top of the 5% in the top 5% of incomes, by the way, will benefit from this action, period. Period. Oh, it's true then. In he fact, said period. about 90% of the, end of the, uh, the eligible beneficiaries make under $75,000 a family. A penance. That's what that means. If you make under $125,000, you get $10,000 knocked off your student debt. If you make under $125,000 a year and you received a Pell Grant, you'll get an additional $10,000 knocked off that total for a total of $20,000 relief. Man. 95% of the borrowers can benefit from these actions. That's 43 million people. Of the 43 million, over 60% are Pell Grant recipients. That's 27 million people who will get $20,000 in debt relief. Nearly 45% can have their student debt fully canceled. That's 20 million people who can start getting on with their lives. All this means people can start, finally crawl out from under that mountain of debt to get on top of their rent and their utilities, to finally think about buying a home or they starting a family. They haven't been paying anything for two years. And by the way, when this happens, the whole economy is better off. Oh. In the coming weeks, the Department okay. of Education will lay out in detail a short and simple form to apply for this relief, along with information when this application process opens. All right, all right, all right. Uh, I've heard enough. Student loan I've heard payments. enough. Let's get take him off my, get him out of my ear. Oh, my God. See, it makes perfect sense if you just heard him and not the entire show today. Then all of that makes sense, right? $300 billion wiping out any benefit that the uh, Inflation Reduction Act did. So it basically neutered all of the Democrat talking points on inflation. But whatevs. Hey, Brett Winterbull's up next. Stick around. I'll see you tomorrow. Don't break anything while I'm gone.